Okay, go ahead and turn with me again to Judges chapter 16, if you would. I had intended to cover this pretty much whole chapter, and in my study I got through one verse. So we're going to just look at one verse tonight, verse 4. Judges chapter 16, verse 4. It says, And it came to pass afterward that he, that being Samson, now look at this, loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And we've all heard the story of Samson and Delilah. There's been songs written about it. Uh, but let me say that I never grow tired of hearing or reading about the love that God has for His people in Christ. It's an unconditional love, which simply means that it's not conditioned on something that I do. It's given by unmerited grace, grace that's undeserved, grace that's unearned. There's nothing I can do to obtain this love, and there's nothing I can do to lose it. For no reason outside of Himself, God and the person and work of His beloved Son came and He suffered the just for the unjust that He might bring us to God. And the only way we're ever going to get to God is if He brings us. I love the truth that a sovereign God always displays sovereign love. Nothing or no one can separate us from His love. That's why I love that. People say, why are you always talking about the sovereignty of God? Because my God does what He wills in the armies of heaven among the inhabitants of the earth and the heavens and in the earth and in the seas and all deep places, even in hell. And He has set His love and affection upon a people and they're going to be saved. He cannot fail. Cannot fail. I love the truth that a sovereign God displays sovereign love. You know, this thing of preaching that God loves everybody and that Christ died for everybody... It's so much more than just a difference in doctrine. Well, it's the difference in God getting all the glory or not. If God loves everybody, if Christ died for everyone and sinners can still be lost, where is the glory of God in that? That makes God and His Christ a failure. So that's much more than just a, a doctrine. It's much more than just a difference of opinion. It's the glory of God at stake in that kind of preaching. The Lord Jesus said, My Father which gave them me, not uh, just gave us to Christ, but gave Christ to us, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Oh, folks that believe that you can be lost and saved, and lost and backslide, and saved, and oh, what comfort, what peace, what rest is in such teaching. 
There's none. No man's able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. He's sovereign. He's in control. And that's what our study's about tonight. And it came, Verse 4 again, And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. You know, the name Delilah means feeble. <laughs> the name Delilah means brought low. It means languished. It means weakened. It means to be without strength. <laughs> Delilah is a picture of Christ's bride, His church. She too was without strength, feeble, languished. But in due time, Christ died for her, speaking of the church, speaking of His bride. Christ died for the ungodly who were without strength. That, that's talking about us. Those who believe and trust in Christ. You know, we live in a religious world today that's always talking about the love of God. But they don't understand that the love of God is not for everyone and everybody. God loves a particular people. It's all through this book. God loves those who love His Son. God loves those who believe on Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And they stop right there and they say, that's for everybody. No, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And how people can take this verse to mean that God loves everybody and Christ died for everyone, I'll never understand. For God so loved the world, those in this world, that He gave His only begotten Son. Who did God give His Son to? Well, the Lord Jesus tells us right there in that verse that this is who. Whosoever believes in Him, Christ, should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's who He died for. That's who He loves. Who does God love in this world? Who did God give His Son to? Whosoever believes in Him. <laughs> Who will not perish, but have everlasting life? The Lord tells us, whosoever believes in Him. <laughs> That's talking about Jesus Christ. They're the ones who have everlasting life. Those that... Believe in Him. Trust in Him. Depend upon Him wholly and completely. And the Lord went on to say, For God sent not His Son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. There's no love to anyone apart from it being a just love. God cannot love a sinner apart from divine justice. Not and remain God. I remember years ago hearing the story of the chief and the thief. There was once a great Indian chief who was a just man. He was a man that loved his tribe and he, and he ruled justly. He had the respect of his, of his people. And there had been some theft in his tribe and he needed to get to the bottom of it. So he actually set a trap with some goods that were 
left out on purpose, and he hoped that those would trap the thief. And he only told two of his braves, and then those two braves hid in wait. They waited. And at dawn, they came to the chief's teepee, and one brave entered, and he said, we've caught the thief. And the chief said, good, we're going to sentence him to 20 lashes with the whip. So the braves bought in the thief and who had been caught in the very act and to the shock and to the horror of the chief, it was his own mother. Well, word spread very quickly through the tribe because there was to be punishment of 20 stripes with the whip and the people began to say, okay, uh, now we're going to find out which is greater, the chief's justice or his love. You know, men today preach God's love for everyone apart from holy justice. Oh, he just loves everyone. Well, he can part from justice, not remain God. He can part from holy justice. You, you can't have one without the other. God can't love apart from His justice, and justice cannot be appeased apart from love. At noon, the chief's mother was tied to the stake in the midst of the camp, and her garment was loosened to expose her back. And as the warrior drew back with the whip to, to inflict the, uh, the whip, suddenly there was an order that came from the chief, and he said, Stop! And then the tribe began to whisper among themselves and saying the chief's going to set aside his justice for his love. His love is greater than his justice. And that's when something happened that no one there would ever forget. The chief took off his robe and he, he so that his back was exposed and he placed his body between his mother and the whip put his arms around her and, uh, and then gave the order, just two words, the whip, the whip. And that day, the punishment fell, 20 lashes, not on the one that deserved it, but on the one who loved her enough to take the punishment that she deserved. Now, that, that's a good story and that very well illustrates what I'm trying to say concerning justice and love. But that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did for His people. Those that He loves. God made a way for Himself to be both just and justifier of them which believe in Christ. Romans 3.26 There is no God but this God of love and justice. That's what God Himself said. He said, no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. He's both. <laughs> and Christ is the only way that He could be both just and justifier. And that's the difference in the true love of God and the love man makes God's love to be. Hereby, we perceive we the love of God. How do we perceive it? How do we discern? How do we recognize? How do we become aware of God's love? It says, because He laid down His life for us. 
God loves no one who doesn't love His Son. God saves no one who doesn't believe in Christ. When divine providence falls in a way, and often it does in a way we don't understand, we begin to doubt God's love for us in Christ. Oh, if, if and when that happens, I encourage you to always look again to Mount Calvary. Look to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and know that His love for, know His love for us when we, when we, when we look there. We see God in the flesh, God who became a man, dying on the cross to put away our sin justly. And oh, how it screams how much that He loves us. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Looking to Christ and Him crucified, should never, we should never doubt or question His love for us. We shouldn't. Salvation is of the Lord. No, to doubt and to question our salvation is to question Christ's love for us. Christ having laid down His life voluntarily. He said, no man takes it, I lay it down. He did so voluntarily for His people. His friends, how, how precious are those words. The friends of God. Oh, that's the greatest proof of His love. It's called greater love, and it certainly is. Christ loved a woman. Her name was feeble. Her name was languished. Her name was weakened. Her name was without strength. And in due time, He died for her. And she, like Delilah, proved to be ungodly. But Christ loves us with exceeding abundant faith and love. Paul said to Timothy, which is in Christ Jesus. That's where it's at. That's where God's love is. That's where God's mercy and grace to us is. It's in Christ. How do we know that? By the very next verse. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world. Who do you come to save? Sinners. Sinners. Oh, I'm so thankful He came to save sinners. That means there's hope for me. A child of God won't talk much about their love for God, for their, their love for Christ. No, they won't. But they'll talk a great deal about His love for them. And we sing, I know oh, how I love Jesus. And when we do, I'm so glad that the song writer, the hymn writer added that because He first loved me. I can sing, oh, how I love Jesus. By faith, I don't love Him as I should. Oh, but I do love Him. But why? Because He first loved me. I don't know if I could sing that hymn if He hadn't written those words. I love Him because He first loved me. That's the only reason we love Him. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. Hold you, stick your marker here and judge it. Even though we're only going to look at one verse, we'll come back to it. But 1 John chapter 4, look at verse 10. These are all very familiar verses to you, but my, how beautiful they are considering that the Lord Jesus loved a woman. And when we consider who that woman is, Verse 10, herein is love. 
Now here's the love of God. Not that we love God. That's why we don't talk about our love for God. Not that we love God. That's not what it is. But that He loved us and (laughs) sent His Son to be the propitiation, the atonement for our sins. How much did He love us? Why do we love Him? Well, John goes on to tell us. Look down at verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect. That word there means complete, whole, made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because, here's, I love how the scripture tells us something and it always tells us why. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Our love is made perfect, complete, and full by His love for us. Our love is like His. Not naturally speaking, only because as He is, by way of substitution, so are we. Not how we're going to be. He says, so so as we are in this world right now. You know, the Bible gives us four things that God is. God is a spirit. God is holy. God is light. And God is love. These four things are the essence of His nature. How do we know that God loves us? Look up there. Look at verse 9 there in 1 John chapter 4. And this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. That's why. What did we do that God might love us? That's easy. Nothing. Nothing. We were without strength. We were feeble. We were weak and languished. And what did our Lord do? He did everything. Everything for us. He loved us and He died for us. And that, that's, that's such a wonderful gospel message. That's such good news. It is if you see that you're without strength, that you can do nothing. You know, many men throughout the ages have gotten themselves into tr- trouble with illicit affairs with women. But in most cases, it wasn't love. It was, in most cases, it was nothing but lust. You know, as we've already seen in Judges chapter 14, Samson saw a woman in Timnock. Remember that? We're told that she pleased him. He told his parents, get her for me. Uh, We're told that he wanted her, but we're never told that he loved her. Seems to be simply a case of lust. Then here back in Judges chapter 16, verse 1, We see that Samson saw a woman, she was a harlot, and he went in to her. And no doubt this is just another case of lust. The the word love is not mentioned. Nothing to do with love. But here in verse 4, we read, and it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. 
feeble, languished, without strength, weakened, in trouble. She was in the Valley of Sorek. Um, you know, the names always mean something, so I looked that name up. Sorek means red. Sorek means choice wine. Christ loved his feeble, languished, and weak church so much that he shed his crimson, scarlet blood that was trodden in the wine press of God's fierce wrath, judgment, and justice against her sin. The Valley of Sorek. <laughs> he loved her and he washed her clean and he loved her and presented her to himself, as Ephesians 5 says, without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. That's what Christ has done for you. Samson loved Delilah and Christ loves his church. You know, that word love there in Judges 16 verse 4 means to have affection for. We know what affection is. The word affection here means endearment, to have feelings for. It means to have sentiment, tenderness, warmth, devotion, attentiveness, closeness, intimacy, favor, regard, respect. Basically everything that we don't deserve. Samson loved a woman in the valley of Sorek. And this, my friends, is a picture of Christ loving us. You know, our love is so fickle, it's ever-changing. But Christ loves unchanging. Christ's love is everlasting. He's the Lord who changes not. Therefore, this is the result. Ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Isn't that good news? In the end, Samson's love for Delilah brought him great suffering and death, as we'll see. Christ's love for his church also brought him great suffering and death, much more so than Samson's. Samson suffered and died physically. while well, our Lord died physically, and yet his soul was made an offering for sin. Isaiah 53.10. In the end, Samson's death destroyed the nation Israel's enemy, the Philistines. But in the end, Christ's death destroyed all His people's enemies, including sin and death and the grave. God's people don't fear death. No, sir. Christ has, has destroyed death for the child of God, for His bride, His church. For he, Christ, must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. <laughs> For he hath put all things, all things under his feet. One day the church is going to cry, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? And that's why right now we shouldn't fear death. It's coming for all of us. None of us are going to get out of this alive. Well, yes, all God's people are going to get out of it alive. Every one of them. Why? Because death no longer has any sting and grave no, the grave has no longer any uh, victory. 
Samson loved a woman, a particular woman. Christ loved a woman, a particular woman. Not everyone, but particular ones. They were often described as certain men and women. You know, when Mary and Martha sent word to tell the Lord about Lazarus being sick unto death, do you remember what they said? They said, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Oh, if you're going to appeal to the Lord for help, appeal to him on his love for those that he died for. He whom thou lovest. That's who Christ came to save. Those that he loved and loved him because he first loved them. You just almost have to add that every time when we talk about our love for Him, don't we? Oh, I love Him because He first loved me. Oh, how I love Jesus because He first loved me. He saw a woman and He loved her. There was no beauty in this particular woman. There was nothing in Delilah that merited Samson's love. You know, the... The, the movies, I remember the movie that Hollywood made of Samson, you know, and Delilah was, oh, she was so beautiful. Uh, you know, the woman that played her, we don't know what she looked like. And he simply loved her. He chose to love her. It was the purpose of God for Samson to love her. His love for her would, in the end, destroy the enemy. Samson couldn't help but to love her. <laughs> she may have looked like me in a dress. Who knows? Now I have to turn you here. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 1. You know where I'm going with this, but my, how it applies so beautifully here. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 1. Ezekiel 16, verse 1. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. God causes His people to see their filthiness. He causes them to see their unworthiness. God causes us to see our inability. God tells the prophet Ezekiel, he said, cause them to see. And he must, and he does. Cause them to see that they didn't merit Christ's love in any way, shape, or form. It was freely given to them. Now here's the question. Does the believer's unworthiness change or weaken his love for them? Absolutely not. You know, if anything, it simply gives him all the glory for it. I don't deserve his love, but it doesn't change his love for me. And that gives him more glory, it seems. The name Delilah is mentioned six times in the Bible, and all six times are right here in Judges chapter 16. 
We're told very little about Delilah, really. You know why? Because it's not about her. The story's not about her. It's about God's judge. It's about God's deliverer. We're, uh, we're told only about her unfaithfulness. We're told only about her deception. We're told only that Samson loved her. <laughs> That's all that matters. This book is not about us. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about what we did for Him. Not what about what we did to Him. It's about what He did for us. This is what we know about us. This is what God says about us. Look at verse 3 in Ezekiel 16. <coughs> Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite and thy mother a, a Hittite. You're just a bunch of heathen. And as for thy nativity, thy birth, and the day thou was born, thy navel was not cut, neither was thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou was not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. And none I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee. But thou was cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou was born. That's every man and woman born of woman by nature. We're heathen. We're ungodly. We're dead in trespasses and sin. We're the worst of the worst. We're, the, we're less than the least. We're unfit. We're unable. No eye pitied us. Because of sin and iniquity, we were left to die. Cast out to die. None had compassion on us. No eye pitied us. We were loathed. We were found repulsive by all who looked upon us. How then could we be spared? How then could we be saved? How then could Christ love us? Verse 6, And when I passed by thee, that's how. He passed by. God passed by us in mercy and grace. God had compassion on us. God saw us polluted in our own blood. God saw our condition and He said, live. He saw us and He loved us and look what all God did for us. Let me read through these verses quickly. I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field and thou hast increased and waxen great. And thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned and thine hair is grown, whereas thou wast naked and bare. Now when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was a time of what? Love. And I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I, I swear unto thee and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becamest mine. Then washed I thee with water. Yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee, and I anointed thee with oil. I clothed thee also with broidered work, and shod thee with badger skin, and girded thee with fine linen, and I covered thee with silk. And I decked thee also with ornaments, and I put bracelets upon thy hands, and a chain on thy neck. And I put a jewel on, on thy forehead, and earrings in thine ears, and a beautiful crown upon thine head. Thou, thou wast... 
Thus wast thou decked with gold and silver, and thy raiment was of fine linen and silk embroidered work, and thou didst eat fine flour and honey and oil, and thou wast exceeding beautiful, and thou didst prosper into a kingdom, and thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty, for it was perfect through my comeliness, which I had put upon thee, saith the Lord God. Now, how much there is said about what we did for ourselves? How much is said about what the Lord did for us? What a glorious passage of Scripture. Verse 6, He passes by us and He saw us and He he caused us to live. Verse 7, He caused us to multiply and, and He increased us. Verse 8, He looked upon us. He spread His skirt upon us, His righteousness. He covered our nakedness. He swore to do us good. He entered into a covenant with us. We became His. Verse 9, He washed us. He anointed us. Verse 10, He clothed us. He girded us. He covered us with silk. Verse 11, He decked us with ornaments. He put bracelets on our hands. He put a chain around our neck. That's what He did. I don't see anything that we did. Verse 12, He put a jewel in our forehead. He put earrings in our ears. He put a beautiful crown on our head. Verse 13, He decked us with gold and silver. He clothed us. He fed us. He prospered us. In verse 14, He made us perfect through His comeliness. We're made perfect in His righteousness. Oh, the Lord Jesus loved a feeble languished, weak, pathetic woman, and He loved her until the end. But in the end, it resulted in His death. But it resulted in her life. And this is the gospel of substitution. This is the gospel of Christ crucified. Now, if I make my salvation about my love for God, if I make my salvation about my work for God, I cannot and will not ever be saved. So in closing, I want you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 2 and rejoice with me. Look at verse 20. Galatians 2. Here in verse 20, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The Lord Jesus was crucified for his people, crucified in their room instead. That should have been me on that cross. That should have been you. So we were crucified with Him because He's our head and He's our representative. He's our substitute. He's our mediator. And uh, He suffered in our name and for our shame. He paid the penalty of our offenses. He was crucified and all our sins was laid upon Him and He put them away. He made an end of them. They don't have any damning power over us anymore. None. Paul said, nevertheless, I live. I spiritually live. By faith, I live the life of justification that He lived. I really do. 
by faith in the righteousness of Christ, by the quickening influences of His Spirit that live in me. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm dead to the law and the crucified Christ lives in me. Dead to the law. If you're charged for a crime and you die, the law can't hold you accountable. You're dead. I'm dead to the law. And this life, this life that I now live, I live in this body, in this flesh right now. That life, I live by faith. That's how we live. You know, I was thinking of one of the songs we sung tonight. I thought, my, my, I just have to sing that by faith. I don't love Him as I... Oh, how I love Jesus. I don't love Him like I ought. I love Him by faith. I... Not faith in my love, not faith in my works, not faith in my faith. I live by the faith of Christ. He's the Son of God. I look to Him alone for pardon. I look to Him alone for righteousness. I look to Him alone for peace, comfort, and joy. I look to Christ to supply every and all grace. And I look to Christ alone for salvation. Now look, look at this. It says, who loved me. <laughs> he loved me. How do I know He loves me? Well, remember what I told you in the beginning? He loved me and He gave Himself for me. That's how I know He loves me. For God so loved the whole wide... Did God so love the whole wide world? <laughs> no, He gave Himself for those that He loved. So did Christ die for the whole wide world? No, He died for those who believed on Him. We know that the whole world doesn't believe on Him. We wish that they did. Well, I have children that are yet without Christ. They don't love Christ. But I wish they did. And I hope and pray that they will. But those whom He loves, love Him because He first loved them. And they love Him and believe on Him because they know there's no other way to be saved. You sitting right there in the night, you, you that know Him, you that have walked with Him for a while, you know there's no other way for you to be saved. There is no other way. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no man comes to the Father but by Him. How, are they, how do they come to, to God by Him? They're brought by Him. He brings them. So I'll leave you again with the beloved John's words concerning what, tr what love truly is. Herein is love. Not that we love God. But that He loved us. And what did He do in love for us? He sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Samson loved a woman. She was feeble, needful, languished. Thank you, Lord, for loving the unlovable. Those who are unlovable, He made lovable.